Have you ever wondered how many different ways a taxi driver can take you from point A to point B? Or why they never take the same path twice when they're taking you home from the airport? Well, if, I've got some good news for you. Even if you have not been thinking about this, uh, our next speaker has. In fact, he did an entire PhD on it. Currently working as a research fellow at the University of Melbourne Center for Mathematics and Statistics of Complex System, and also completing his PhD at the University of Melbourne, our next speaker has been reared as a true Melbourneian scientist. Please join me in welcoming Dr. Nick Beaton to the stage. I'm actually from Queensland, but don't tell anyone. <laughs> Okay, so this isn't really a biography or, or the story of, of a single hero of science. Instead, it's the story of a quest and really of a rivalry. And it's not a well-known story, but I think it echoes some of the hopes and, and maybe in some cases some of the fears that people have about the relationship between humans and technology. So there are three main contenders in this rivalry. Firstly, a team of scientists, mostly computer scientists, mostly Canadian. Secondly, an American mathematician and Christian minister. And thirdly, a computer program. So the team of scientists was led by a guy called Jonathan Schaefer, but it included a number of other people who I'll quickly name check, like uh, Martin Bryant, Robert Lake, Paul Liu, and Norman Trelaw. For brevity, I'm mostly gonna talk about Jonathan Schaefer, but that shouldn't be taken as a dismissal of the other's contributions. So Schaefer was born in 1957 in Toronto. In 75, he went to the University of Toronto to study mathematics, but he was put off by his teachers. The mathematician inside me cries a little at that, but that's okay. But maybe in, in the end for the best, he ended up switching to computer science. He quickly became intrigued by the idea of computer programs playing games, and in particular chess. Now he'd been obsessed with games since he was a small child and chess had been his great love. At least, you know, until women came along. <laughs> he quickly became fixated on the idea of being the world computer chess champion. He took up graduate studies at the University of Waterloo, and then later at the University of Alberta, on the topic of computer chess. After some failed attempts, his computer program named Phoenix performed very well in the 1983 World Computer Chess Championships in New York. He graduated in 86, and he became an assistant professor at the University of Alberta, where he remains to this day. So he continued work on Phoenix for a few years, and it, it died for first place in the 1986 World Championships. After this, his enthusiasm started to wane, however, not least because of a, you know, a little sort of upstart corporation called International Business Machines, because they were starting to take interest in the problem of computer chess as well, and they had access to a lot more money and personnel and time, and especially big, powerful computers. This is, however, not a story about computer chess. So the direction of things changed in 1988 when a casual question by a colleague sent things in it off in a different direction. And that question was, whatever happened to computer checkers? 
So we fast forward a year. Schaefer and, and Norm Trollo were now working on computer checkers. You laugh. <laughs> so they had a program with the, the rather imposing name of The Beast. <laughs> they managed to get in touch with a former Canadian checkers champion and they played a match over the phone. The Beast won three of the four games. And they decided at this point, all right, it's doing pretty well. So they entered The Beast in the Computer Olympiad, which was an event held in August 1989 in London, where in addition to checkers, there were to be competitions in games like chess and Scrabble and backgammon and bridge. And they decided at this point that The Beast was maybe you know, a bit of an you know, inappropriate name for a computer program. So they changed the name to Chinook which is named after a wind which, which blows air in, um, from the Pacific into central Canada. So in London, Chinook won the gold medal in checkers, soundly defeating most of the competition. There are also some friendly games with some of England's best human players, which Chinook didn't win, but you know, did pretty well, held its own for the most part. And so at this point, Schaefer was, you know, he, he had a bit of an ego. He was, you know, he, he had ambition. And so at this point, he was beginning to ask whether Chinook might one day be able to defeat the world human champion in checkers. Almost everyone he spoke to, however, sort of laughed at him and said, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. The, the guy who's the world champion, he's, he's unbeatable. It's just not ever going to happen. So we've met our computer scientist, we've met our computer program, it's time to meet our third rival. Marion Tinsley was born in 1927 in Ironton, Ohio. He was an extremely academically gifted child, skipping four grades through school. He later went on to study mathematics at Ohio State University. From a young age, Tinsley was obsessed with checkers. He learned to play as a child, but it was a lodger in the family home, an old lady named Mrs. Kershaw, who irritated him into wanting to become good at the game. She used to beat me in game after game, he once complained. Oh, how she'd cackle. <laughs> he later accidentally stumbled across some books in the university library and quickly absorbed everything he read. He was soon beating all the local competition Though Mrs. Kershaw by this point had moved on and he never actually had his chance for revenge. <laughs> Over the next 10 years, he alternated between checkers and university, winning the 1948 US championship, coming fifth in 1950 and winning again in 54. He became world champion in 55. He estimated that over the 12 year period from 43 to 55, he spent about 20,000 hours on checkers, which if you work it out is about five hours a day, every day for 12 years. In addition to this, he completed his PhD in 1957. His thesis was on the topic of combinatorics, like me and, and for those who saw me talk a few months ago, also like Paul Edish. In fact, Tinsley's Erdish number is three, also like me. After graduating, he took up an academic position at Florida State University in Tallahassee. In 1958, he defended his world title and at that point apparently deciding that there was just nobody left in the world who could offer a decent challenge, he abruptly announced his retirement from checkers so that he could devote his time to mathematics and to God. 
He spent the next 12 years teaching at university and, and preaching at a local Christian church and only occasionally playing checkers with friends. After frequent urgings to come back to tournament play, however, Tinsley eventually struck a deal with a friend. He'd come out of retirement if his friend gave up drinking. His friend's adherence to his end of the bargain was apparently intermittent. <laughs> but Tinsley's was nothing short of spectacular. He won the US championships in 70 and 74 and regained the world championship title in 75. From then until 1990, he won every tournament in which he played and remained undefeated as world champion. In fact, if you add it up, from the last tournament which he didn't win, which was when he came fifth in the 1950 US Championship, until 1990, he played over a thousand serious tournament games and eight World Championship matches, and he lost exactly three times. There were two more if you count the kind of exhibition matches where there was like an auditorium full of 40 people in a circle and he played 40 people simultaneously. But, you know, you could argue that's not really serious. So, yeah, one could really argue that Marion Tinsley was the most dominant player of any popular game or sport that the world has ever seen. So in 1990, the American Checker Federation allowed Chinook to compete in the US Championship, but ruled it ineligible to win any prize money. Which, fair enough, the computer program probably didn't care if it won any money or not. This was to be the first time that Chinook and Tinsley were to meet. They played four games, all draws, and Tinsley went on to win the tournament, with Chinook coming second. Now normally in this situation, where the world champion wins the US Championship, uh, then the player who comes second is allowed to challenge the world champion for the world championship. Um, but at this point, both the American and English associations decreed that Chinook was ineligible to be world champion. Now, Tinsley and Chinook later played a 14-game exhibition match in Canada, which Tinsley won 1-0. Of significance is, at one point in the game that he won, there was a point at which, you know, Chinook sort of, you know, did its little computation and it came up on the screen, you know, do this, and so Schaefer, you know, made the move that Chinook told it. And Tinsley's watching this and then he suddenly looks up and says, oh, you're going to regret that. And, you know, the computer said, no, 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 the computer said it was fine, it was, you know, it was doing well. Um, and in fact, nothing of any significance happened for another 65 moves. At which point Tinsley actually managed to take a piece off Chinook and then sort of quickly won the game. So. Tinsley was able to see what was going to happen 65 moves into the future. Whereas Chinook was at that point looking about sort of 20-ish moves into the future. So Tinsley was really something special. Now Tinsley was finally excited that, well, he was excited that there was finally another player who could actually offer him a serious challenge. And he also thought that the, you know, the American and the English associations weren't really doing enough to promote competitive checkers. And so, you know, based on these two reasons, he, he resigned the World Championship in protest. He and Schaefer then arranged for a match to be held in London in 1992. And now at this point, the Czechers associations sort of, you know, they were embarrassed that, you know, now the man who was clearly the best Czechers player in the world and, you know, the best Czechers player who had ever lived, he was no longer competing for their World Championship. I mean, you know, it's a bit like... Roger Federer sort of just, you know, saying that he wasn't going to compete in some tournament, but then they say, oh, well, you know, the winner of this tournament's going to be the best player ever. It's like, well, you can say that, but it doesn't really mean anything anymore. 
So the Czechoslovak Federation sort of decided to do something, you know, maybe echoes of the Catholic Church and, and declared Tinsley to be world champion emeritus. <laughs> and they then sort of, you know, took it upon themselves to decree that this match was now going to be for the man versus machine world championship. So the match, which was held exactly 22 years ago, was 40 games over 12 days, was sponsored by a computer company, and there were $10,000 in prizes and a fair bit of media attention. Tinsley was supremely confident, proclaiming that while Chinook may be able to perform millions of calculations per second, he was programmed by God. <laughs> now, the first four games were all draws. Tinsley managed to win the fifth. But Chinook managed to take games 8 and 14, which made it the first player to take two games off Tinsley in a single match in 45 years. In game 18, however, just when you know, Chinook was, was up two games to one in this match, it was doing well. It seemed like finally this might be you know, the first time that anyone was going to beat Tinsley in a match in a very, very long time. The computer froze. And, you know, presumably they, they, they kicked it and, and, you know, probably didn't want to turn it on and off, but, but, you know, they were doing what they could, but they couldn't manage to fix it. And so eventually Schaefer was forced to forfeit. The final score ended up being 4-2 to Tinsley. Now, they arranged a rematch in 1994 in Boston. By this point, there was a fair bit less fanfare and, and attention, and in Europe by this point sort of Deep Blue and stuff like this was sort of coming onto the scene and people were very interested in, in chess and, and sort of checkers had sort of fallen back to the, the wayside. In this match, however, Tinsley resigned after only six games and they were all draws due to ill health. Chinook was declared the world man versus machine champion sort of by default. Um, you know, Schaefer and his team were understandably pretty disappointed that this was the way the match turned out. And then in order to put it on a show for the, you know, the small number of attendees and sponsors who had actually turned up, um, the world number two named Don Lafferty flew in the next day to play a match, but it ended up just as a draw. So Schaefer and Tinsley both hoped soon to, to play another match after Tinsley recovered, but it wasn't to be. His health problem turned out to be pancreatic cancer, and he died in April 1995 at the age of 68. So Chinook played and won a few more matches and tournaments, but it eventually just became stronger than any human player left anywhere, and so it was retired from competitive play in, uh, in 1997. So then after a few years away from Checkers, Schaefer and his team returned to the problem with an even loftier goal. Instead of just beating the world champion at Checkers, they wanted to solve the game of Checkers. So what does it mean to solve a game? Well, essentially it means you want to determine the outcome. You want to work out what happens if both players play perfectly. So if, if neither, neither player makes any mistakes. So for example, everybody here I'm sure is familiar with tic-tac-toe, and you probably know that tic-tac-toe is a draw, right? No matter where the first player goes, the second player can always sort of force it into a draw, and you know, unless one of you is, is drunk or something, it's always just going to end up as a draw. On the other hand, the game of Connect Four, you know, the thing with the rectangle and the circles and you drop the little discs, um, that's actually a win for the first player. If you know what you're doing and you go first in Connect Four, you can always win. 
And it's something like 19 moves or something I think it takes for you to actually force a win if you're the first player. So in 2007, Schaefer and his team solved the game of checkers, proving that if both players play perfectly, then the game is a draw. So now a perfect strategy has been programmed into Chinook, and so now it's mathematically impossible for the game to lose. So Chinook may never have gotten to win a match against Marion Tinsley, but it's now mathematically perfect, which is something that even Tinsley himself couldn't claim. Jonathan Schaefer is now the Dean of Science at the University of Alberta, and a version of Chinook is available online if you'd like to have a go at beating the unbeatable. Thanks.